AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I study psychology and evolutionary biology, and I know that a lot has been going on the past few weeks, and we're all probably pretty brain fried. But one thing I thought of is that we've probably missed a lot of animal news because of all the other news, which we aren't going to talk about today. We're going to talk about animal news and all the news that is fit to print in audio form because this is a podcast. Anyways, so I'm going to go through all the incredible animal news stories that you may have missed these past few weeks. We're talking robotic wolves. Bear Blade Runner, newly discovered flying teddy bears. Discover this more as we ask the angel question, uh, what's a platypus rave like? Is it awesome? It is. Spoilers, it is awesome. Joining me today is host of the podcast, secretly incredibly fascinating, and friend of the pod, I'd like to say. I hope I'm not, you know, just say assuming it. too much. Say friend, it, of the, friend of the pod? Yeah. Friend of the pod. Alex Schmidt. Katie, it is like, I feel like every time I'm on this podcast, it's very exciting. It's also going into a podcast, people are always like, I'm excited to be here. But like that intro, I'm very excited to know about all these things. This is great. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Bear Blade Runner. Sure. Doesn't have to, have to be Blade the first Runner. thing. Just very exciting. I don't remember what the theme song to Blade Runner was. Was it like, Blade Runner, it's in the future? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Blade Runner had... A standard, like, 30-second upbeat television theme song. That's part of yeah, Blade Sting. Runner. Yeah, Sting. Played by Sting. It was weird. It was Sting's Sting. <laughs> We're in the future. Robot people are here. Blade Runner. Let me tell you a little story about a man named Blade. And then you just go from there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're going to talk about Bear Blade Runner, because apparently while we've been distracted with ugh, elections, ugh. the world has been creating a Bear Blade Runner for bears, a, a, a bear new future. So in Japan, in Takikawa, they have built 
huge terrifying wolf robots with glowing red eyes that are being used to scare bears. <laughs> okay, so this so it's it's Bear Blade Runner because the bears are being hunted down like the robots were hunted down in Blade Runner. It's not bears I, doing the hunting. I didn't think that through honestly, Alex, I didn't think it through that far. Oh. I just saw a robot. <laughs> I saw a robot. I saw it had to do with bears. I was like, bears and a wolf robot. This is Bear Blade Runner. No, that makes so, sense. Yeah, I think yeah. if I remember right, no one cares. But if I remember right, the Blade Runners are the hunters, which in the movie, then it's the question of is he a, a robot or not? Uh, but if I remember, the Blade Runner is the hunter hunting the robots. So a bear Blade Runner would be somebody hunting bears. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. But these wolf robots, I do not think would pass the Turing test or whatever <laughs> is the test they use in the movie where they're like, what would you do to a turtle? Like they ask the robots, hey, are you a robot? And they're like, no. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, would you if you found a turtle on its back in the desert, what what would you do? And they're like, I'm a robot. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> but these are not very, I wouldn't say convincing wolf robots, but terrifying. They look like Halloween decorations. In fact, I feel like they may have been made out of parts of Halloween decorations. But they have glowing red eyes. They move around and kind of gyrate around. Uh, they have weird robot legs yeah. that just kind of like sort of stops looking like a wolf at one point and looks like a metal stick figure. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's got it's got like a fake rubber wolf head and then it makes terrifying noises as well. Let me play some of these for you. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh. Oh. So yeah, it's you know, kind of. <laughs> I'm not. I think part of that was wolf noises, and then it sounded a bit like birds. I'm not really yeah. sure. It really escalated. It initially sounded yeah. like standard horror movie sound effects from maybe. Like, oh, the past. and then it was like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you know how there there's a human will turn into a a werewolf wolf and then yes. they like start oh, no, to make I know more how wolfy is. noises yeah yeah <laughs> no i know how that is for sure yeah uh yeah it so they they make the noises they flash the head turns around and this is to scare bears which i can i can imagine it would scare bears you have a, a possessed devil robot wolf making horrible sounds yeah. Poor bears, they have been encroaching on human populated areas recently. And I say encroaching with a bit of irony because, of course, <laughs> humans are the ones that have been encroaching on the bears' territory. And the reason that they have had more interactions with humans, there have actually been more uh, bear attacks in this region, which is very serious. Yeah. But this has been due to the fact that there is a shortage of acorns that the black bears in the region in Japan use to supplement their diet. And because of deforestation and human developments kind of getting closer and closer to the bear's habitat and taking up more of it, it makes these bears desperate for food and come into the human populated area. And so in wow. order to reduce the number of bear attacks, the city has deployed these wolf robots to scare them away. And I I, I get it. I think it's important. You don't want bear attacks at all, obviously, uh, for humans and also for the bears, because when you have a bear attack, often you have to actually put down the bear itself. So. Sure keeping them away from human populated areas, even if it is with freaking Terminator wolf over here, <laughs> I, I think makes sense. On the other hand, I think it is just a Band-Aid on the bigger issue, which is that they need more food and acorns and territory. Otherwise, they're going to keep, you know, uh, like at a certain point, I feel like they'll become desensitized to the wolf robot and just start coming into human areas anyways if they if their food problem is not solved. So Yeah, I yeah. I you were very nice to send a picture as well. And between the picture and the sound, I feel like this is trying to solve the problem both ways, where you scare bears out of the region and you scare humans out of the region. Like there's no bear attack if there's no people to get attacked, right? Fixed. Right, exactly. Done. Knocked it out. 
This belongs to the robot wolves now. <laughs> right. <laughs> are we sure? Are we sure? Like whoever's selling these robot wolves, I imagine like coming in in the wolf robot wolf truck, like they have sort of a human costume on. And they're like, <laughs> we come bearing robot wolves for your small village to scare the bears. Oh, <laughs> That's another thing we need to be concerned about is anyone selling human costumes. There is never a good mm. scenario where mm. a being is like, I would like one right. human costume. It's only to I deceive mean, us. It's only, We need to stop manufacturing them in our huge human costume factories. Yeah, I mean, I think need. you're being a little paranoid, Alex. It's not like a flock of super intelligent birds would use a human costume to do a podcast. Anyways... <laughs> Facial recognition of bears. <laughs> Katie, did a did a feather just fall out of your eye? That was weird. No, okay. no, that was that was normal perspiration. Anyways, <laughs> uh, step two in Bear Blade Runner is facial recognition of bears. Poor bears. Bears are just having technology thrown at them, and I don't know how they're going to deal with it. So, uh. Silicon Valley software developers are making bear facial recognition along with bear researchers in Canada. And the project is called Bear ID, which eh, I feel like you could be a little more inventive with your evil seeming bear facial recognition software. Like Barefaced like, is right there. It's, it's Barefaced? Just, oh, that's right. It's that's so a good available. One. Come on. Purportedly, this technology is being used for bear conservation studies to be able to track yeah. individual bears. So to figure out how to make this software, it's kind of an interesting path these software developers took. They took cues from a program called Dog Hipsterizer, which can <laughs> find dogs' faces, eyes, and snouts in photos and puts little mustaches and glasses on them. Yeah, we we all know that app from its recent Nobel yeah. Prize win. I mean, it's a pretty right, exactly. common scientific achievement in the in the news. It has yeah. absolutely. It's an absolute disruptor in the <laughs> dog face app tech industry. Yeah, it and so they're like, oh, how do we? You know, we've got facial recognition for humans, but now we need it for bears, so the government can track the bears and the IRS can hunt them down or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that they're like, huh, well, this app, these app developers already did it with their technology to put glasses, on, hipster glasses on dogs <laughs> to make your chihuahua look like a hipster. So we'll just use what they did and but put it on bears for science research. Um, so, you know, uh, my opinion on this news is if this is used for conservation, which they are claiming it is, this is great because then you can use it to ID individual bears and track them. You don't have to collect them, tranquilize them and, and tag them or anything or, 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 you know, try to spot them by visual differences that can be hard to do as a researcher. And so that would mean a lot for conservation, especially if they can yeah. adapt this technology to other animals. But if we're going to be in a bear <laughs> surveillance state mm. where the government is tracking down rogue bears, I don't know. I, I can't support it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for watch out for Bear Brother, another name they could have used for this software. <laughs> That's, there's so many out there. Work harder at this element scientists. Please. Be, be better. Bear, <laughs> bear, bear better. Bear. Bear best. Yeah, uh, best. Uh, behavior. Yeah. All these pictures are amazing, but if this is a mock-up of how it works, I feel like they didn't try that hard. Like it's just, right. it's a picture of a bear, and then there's a red square around the bear's whole head, and then there's just a triangle where the three points are its eyes and its nose point. Like that doesn't, it doesn't yeah. seem like it's trying that hard to identify them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I get, I get what it's doing. It's like saying, like, here's the bear face. We've, we've spotted the bear face, and then this is how far its eyes are from its snout. I guess, kind of like detecting yeah. very small differences in individuals. But it does look very simplistic, doesn't it? Like, well. <laughs> Here's the bear head, which is vaguely square shaped, and then its nose triangle. I'm a smart computer. This is bear. <laughs> Bears are just triangles and squares when you think about it. <laughs> what if what if the software really just tells you whether something is a bear or not? 
Like it can't distinguish between bears. Right, right. It's you like, just like you like green yeah, for bear, at, red for not bear, and that's it. Right. You pointed at like a like a blue jay. It's like not bear. You pointed <laughs> at a coyote, not bear, and then you pointed out a bear, and it's like that's a bear, <laughs> and then you know. You know that's a bear. You would also know it's a bear if like the bear is already charging at you and then gets your whole face in its mouth and the program's going like, yep, definitely bear. Right. And also, <laughs> I feel like in every Silicon Valley story, it's that, and then the next line is, the company was valued at $10 trillion. Like, they always <laughs> expect this to change the world. <laughs> there's there's big bucks in bear surveillance, yeah. Uh, I, I do hope also, because they got the technology from Dog Hipsterizer, that we will be able to put... Oh. Hats and little glasses and little mustaches on bears. I'm just saying, you the technology is yeah. already there. A whimsical bear surveillance state, right? Perfect. Right. How do you do? It's me, Mr. Bear. <laughs> two plus two is five. Ha ha ha! Like it's nice within the the totalitarian uh, element. Right, right, right. <laughs> freedom is freedom is bears. <laughs> bear brought big. Wait, what? 1980 bear. I don't know. Look, 1980 it's, bear. I'm that's another name. Bear. There we go. That's it. That's the name of this thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bear new world. Yep. No, it's it's good. We're going to be, uh, I guess, turning bears into soldiers. I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I'm guessing we're, we're going to, okay, we're going to scare them with the, with the wolf robots, be able to track them down. And then I guess the next step is to convince them that in order to fight the, Robot Wolf Scourge, they must join the U.S. military. <laughs> well, we were warned, you know, like as soon as the election's over, they're going to implement these bear policies and we have to be vigilant. Right. And he will. Right. Now we're here, you know, the the bear army. Yeah. Uh, you know, so just keep your keep your eyes open for uh, <laughs> a bear army that is waging war on robot wolves. <laughs> <laughs> In other bear news, a bear in Kings Beach, California, raided a convenience store for snacks. The bear ate a bunch of candy bars before being chased out and slapped on the butt by the owner. But before you judge this bear, you should know that the bear was recovering from a leg injury and just wanted to have a few Snickers for God's sake. The bear was captured by wildlife officials and relocated, which barely seems fair. When we return, we're going to discuss some more suspicious species in the news. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Human politicians often seem to fail us, so why not a different kind of political animal? Apparently, the idea of voting for an animal as an elected official has been quite popular. In 1922, Yo-Yo the Billy Goat was elected to be city councilor of Fortaleza, Sierra, Brazil in 1938. Curtis the Mule was unanimously elected for a Republican precinct seat in Milton, Washington. Bosco the Dog was elected mayor of Sunol, California in 1981. In 1997, a cat named Stubbs was elected honorary mayor of Talkeetna, Alaska. And in 2019, Lincoln the Goat won his election for mayor of Fairhaven, Vermont, defeating Sammy the Samoyed Dog by two votes. I hope Sammy demanded a recount. But sometimes voting for animals goes beyond symbolism and has real policy and environmental implications. So Alex, uh, you know, I feel like people have probably been paying attention to the election and stuff, but I think people have missed perhaps the most important election result of all time. Oh. And that is in Colorado. Wolves got voted in. They got <laughs> voted in, Alex. The wolves got well, voted into Colorado. Like voted into existing in the state or being in the legislature? Yes. Or, oh, the first one. They okay. got voted into Colorado. Yeah. Congratulations, They won the wolves. election, and now they get to be in Colorado. This is literally actually what it was. So <laughs> there was a proposition in Colorado to reintroduce gray wolves to the southern Rockies. So gray wolves, which are basically, you know, gray wolves are the standard wolf. They are basically all the wolves in the world. uh, And they have been hunted to extinction in the area. There have been no wolves in the Southern Rockies since the 1940s. And the people of Colorado voted and they voted to bring back the gray wolf and to reintroduce them to the area which conservationists have said that the southern Rocky Mountain area has capacity for hundreds of wolves to thrive. Right. Before the fire marshal kicks them out. If you go over that, <laughs> fire marshal says, out of here. All right. All right. All right. Shut it all down. The wolf rave. <laughs> they got the robot wolf playing Skrillex, just pumping out, pumping out sick beats. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it was uh, narrowly passed. It did not passed by a landslide there the wolves have not gotten a mandate unfortunately <laughs> wolf super majority yeah there we go <laughs> the opponents worry that the wolves will reduce the elk population uh ranchers are worried that the wolves will attack their cattle mm. in terms of them reducing the elk population i don't think that's really that much of a concern in, in my personal non elk expert opinion (laughs) because well in general like wolves and predator animals can actually be really good for prey animal populations like when they uh when you have a good balance of prey to predator the predators actually keep the prey from dangers like uh overpopulation mass starvation uh and disease so i feel like if anything introducing the wolves might actually be good for the elk population i guess it it all depends on the balance like the number of wolves to elk and how things have changed since they went extinct from the area because obviously when when you have an animal one of the tricky things with reintroducing them is if the environment and balance of things have changed since they disappeared from the area and then you suddenly reintroduce them there can be some issues but i think that you know we've done we've done a lot of successful reintroduction of species that i i, I think conservationists are well aware of all those issues and will probably 
cool. be pretty careful about that. And they're not they're not just like dumping hundreds of wolves all at once. Like they're saying this is going to take years to like slowly build up to. Yeah, and they and they haven't been there since the 1940s. You said that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a comeback, and for what it is, you know, great. And like, uh, yeah, and a bit of evidence for the wolves actually being good for potentially uh, good for the elk population is that in another area in Yellowstone, the wolf population may be saving the deer population from a deadly brain disease called chronic wasting disease. Oh, I've heard of this. By picking off the deer that have the disease and preventing it from spreading, the wolves are actually saving the deer population from this disease. So, like, the disease can spread from deer to deer. I don't think it can spread to wolves yet. But it is a concern, like, whenever you have a zoonotic disease, that it could jump from deer to other species, uh, including humans. So, the wolves Hmm. are heroes. They're hero doctor wolves. (laughs) Well, am I, I, you probably know more about it than me, but am I overdoing it if I say the chronic, chronic wasting disease is sort of like zombieism in pop culture? That's what I've heard it compared (laughs) to. Yeah, I think because it does attack the brain, it is a little bit concerning. I I don't, I don't know that these deer are eating other deer brains necessarily. Right. um, Or, or like stomping around on their hind hooves, like with their front legs kind of sticking out and going like brains. (laughs) Right, at, at a tattered shirt from their old profession and everything, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Bunch of like like football players and right. tattered. <laughs> and like, oh, a priest. How ironic that they are now right. a flesh eater. That is right. really a commentary on society. Someone in a hazmat suit. Now, how did that deer in the hazmat suit get the zombieism? <laughs> because you'd think, right. but no. I, the main character, am frowning at this new development. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> But yeah, it is so like this is a really good example of how predators can actually be good in general for a prey population. Obviously, it sucks for whatever deer they end up eating. uh, But like if you have deer that have the chronic wasting disease and the wolves kill them and eat them, it prevents it from spreading. Uh, And, you know, if anything, like it probably marginally sucks less to get eaten by a wolf than to die of chronic wasting disease i don't i don't actually know right i'm i'm gonna say maybe i i would potentially prefer to get eaten by a wolf than go out by chronic wasting disease yeah if you're if you're a deer right into creature feature podcast at 123 main street uh, anytime usa (laughs) and let us know what your your preference yeah call into the show at 1-800 death by wolves (laughs) uh So, uh, yeah, it shows the importance of predator-prey balance in nature and also the importance to humans. Like if this chronic wasting disease, God forbid, mutates and is able to jump from deer to human, that is really bad. That could be another like, you know, I don't want to scare people. This is all very low probability. It's just like whenever, whenever you have a disease or a virus, and you give it time to mutate and evolve, like you're rolling the die over and over again for it to be able to jump from one animal to another. Um, yeah. And so you just like, re- but like by reducing the chance that that happens, you reduce the chance of it, you know, spreading to humans and potentially being a, a disease that that humans have to deal with. Um, so yeah, thank you, wolves, hero doctors. Yeah. And just, and just, I wish I knew more about wolf conservation in general. It seems really cool. Yeah. I, I used to work at Brookfield Zoo as a tour guide, and we had Mexican gray wolves on exhibit. And because that was, I guess, because the Mexican population of gray wolves uh, is distinct and was way, way down. So they were trying to yeah. conserve them, bring them back. But so yeah. easy for people to be like, predator, fire, you know, and then, and then <laughs> uh, we got to save them too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it is. It's really important to remember that once an animal is taken out of the game, like I, I kind of use this metaphor a lot where, you know, the environment is sort of like a game of Jenga and you take out an animal oh, and no. you don't know. The famously like, stable Jenga. Oh, no. <laughs> right. You, you don't know. Like once you take out one animal, you don't know which one is going to like mess up the tower of Jenga. And the more animals you take out, the more unstable it becomes. So yeah, I'm I think I mean obviously I don't know some of the ins and outs of reintroducing these wolves, but I think it sounds like a good idea 
Yeah. And you can you can sue me if it turns out not to be a good idea. <laughs> Send your subpoena or whatever to right. Future Pod one two three one eight hundred USA one. <laughs> 1-800-DEATH-BY-WOLF. <laughs> but if you want to talk about introducing a species that is not a good idea, let's talk about the giant murder hornets that everyone is uh, all abuzz about. <laughs> I'm so pleased to be um, back for more murder hornet news. I believe yeah, my most recent yeah, appearance yeah. was murder hornet news. This is very exciting. <gasps> was it? Yeah. Well, welcome back, Thank Alex, you. to the, the Katie Alex podcast <laughs> within the podcast Murder Hornet. Uh, just dial MH for murder hornet. There it is. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of touch stones, uh, touch tone stuff in this episode. I can't talk, yes. but it's fun. <laughs> it's good. We're fine. We're fine. Our brains are good and healthy and normal after the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's the difference between reintroducing like a species that used to be indigenous to an area and introducing a species that is an invasive species. Uh, so wolves are indigenous animals being reintroduced. They are suited for that environment and their prey, the elk, probably still have a lot of the defense mechanisms that they had while the wolves were there in order to prevent them from just being all killed by the wolves. So mm, you yeah. have, you reintroduce the wolves. It, it, it's basically inserting them back in the balance. As long as things haven't changed too much since the wolves have been gone, Shouldn't be too harsh of a transition. Meanwhile, when you have an invasive species like the giant murder hornets, so giant murder hornets um, are uh, not are uh, bad. You say? No, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> giant well, murder hornets. They're not. They're not uh, so I, I don't think they. They're not like bad animals. So like right. the areas in which they are originally found, like in countries in Asia. The animals there have developed anti-predator defense mechanisms against the giant murder hornets. So they, the giant murder hornets are kept in check by a series of checks and balances. Damn it, I don't want to talk about politics anymore in this <laughs> podcast. So they are, but they have been accidentally introduced into North America, which is really bad because our bees, both our native bees and our honeybees, which are not native, but they are like our domesticated population of bees, are both in danger from this invasive species of murder hornets because they just don't have any defensive. And the murder hornets are huge and they can decapitate a bunch of bees at an alarming rate. Master decapitators. So that's where <laughs> we are with the murder hornets. But here's a, a murder hornet update. Maybe I'd do a sound effect here, or if maybe I'll, I'll probably be too lazy to do that. Should we do our own, like, let's do our own thing, like, wee-woo-wee-woo-wee-woo, <laughs> murder hornet update. What's uh, the buzz? I'm trying to do, nice. like, morning, morning no, zoo guy sounds. No, you did it. <laughs> murder <laughs> hornet updates in the morning. <laughs> With Katie and the spaz. I'm the spaz now. That's my nickname <laughs> on the show. <laughs> so, in... Blaine, Whatcom County, Washington State. Entomologists have found the first murder hornet nest filled with queen murder hornets. So when what? you find them... Just queens? Yeah. No, not just queens, oh, but okay. it had a bunch of queens in it. Oh, man. Uh, I'm sorry it's not all... It's like, oops, all queens, murder <laughs> hornet nest. No, no, there were workers in the nest as well. So the way that they do it is when they find a murder hornet, they don't just like kill it with fire like the people want them to. They mm. actually trap it, put a radio tracker on it, and then revive them with a little bit of grape jelly. Wait. <laughs> Which is my favorite part of it. Okay, yes. So they so knock they them out. Like with ether yeah. or something, like at a cartoon. Well, yeah, or just like chill them. I'm not exactly sure how they knock them out, but yeah, they trap yeah. them, put a radio tracker on them, revive them with a little bit of grape jelly, which is kind of, and then like <laughs> follow them back to the nest so that they can actually destroy the nest because killing a worker murder hornet doesn't really get you anything if there's still a nest out there with queens because the worker murder right. hornets are most likely, like 99% likely, not going to be reproducing, whereas the queens are the ones that are reproducing. And so... Right. Standard anti-mafia yeah. stuff. Like, don't worry right, about exactly. the, the foot soldiers. Right, exactly. So 
Uh, yeah, so you gotta have them lead them back to to their hideout and yeah, Queen you know, Capone, throwing in get a, them. Yeah, throwing in a little bit of grape jelly to you know kind of grease the wheels, keep them quiet. Hush jelly <laughs> never hurt hush nobody, jelly. you know. A little bit of hush jelly. So then they followed this this murder hornet back to the nest, and indeed they found the nest, and it had I think several queens in it, and they destroyed it. So that's good nice. because, yeah, you don't want, we do not want the murder hornets to get a foothold in uh, in North America because our native bee populations just wouldn't know how to handle it. You know, we could get, we could try to train them like Rocky, give them little tiny boxing gloves, but you know, I don't know, that's. <laughs> There's a lot of bees, so that would be very time-consuming. Yeah, if I if I remember right, the the Japanese honeybees would do some kind of thing where they surround yes. and explode the murder hornets, which seems hard yes. to teach. But you, you can't right, you can't exactly. just like learn that in a school for bees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> school for bees. So that'd be a fun show. But no, no, no. Yeah, you're completely correct. Uh, these Japanese honeybees will surround the invading murder hornets and then vibrate their bodies, uh, heating them up such that the uh, invading hornets will basically boil to death. That's right, the boiling, yeah. As Yeah, yeah, as they heat up, heat up the murder hornet with their little angry vibrating bodies. Um, <laughs> I think they also like drop the oxygen level uh, in, the, in this bee, big bee ball, so like they're yeah. suffocating and boiling the the hornet to death and they can pretty effectively defend their hive against hornets this way and so yeah but arby's don't know how to do that so they're yeah right we can't just do a training montage wherever we find a hive like it's gonna be yeah yeah like vibrate come on you can do it boy vibrate no (laughs) well actually they're all all of these bees would be would be girls because they are well females because all the worker bees are females, so it'd be, mm. come on, come on, gals, you can do this, you just gotta vibrate harder. There's no crying in defensive vibration, is the female <laughs> sports movie, uh, I guess. <laughs> just like dump a gallon of Gatorade on them and all the bees die. Anyways. <laughs> and then yeah. our last bit of specious species, suspicious species, uh, this is actually great news, which is that two new species of greater glider have been discovered in Australia. So oh, good. we have talked, yes, we have talked about greater gliders before. They are Australian marsupials. They are the largest gliding mammal in the world. They are about 17 inches long. That's about 43 centimeters. And they look like big teddy bears with long fluffy tails and like a face that looks like a cross between a kitty cat and a mouse they look made up they look like <laughs> a, a, they look like a stuffed animal that like is made up from the imagination of lisa frank they are just so oh, okay. fluffy so incredible like a, like in the neopet family of creatures yeah yes sure, yes, sure. yes. Yeah, yeah. they look like a neopet uh oh damn it i forgot to feed my neopets for the last <laughs> 20 years oh no no. (laughs) what if it's alive and just politely upset like it's just looking at its watch in an armchair like oh there you are tapping its little foot Mm. makes you feel bad you know yeah turns around turns on the lamp Hmm. like so i guess you've been busy been gone for the guess you've been busy (laughs) for the past 20 years Hmm. yeah so this is a real life neopet uh, they have flaps at the sides of their body, skin flaps, that allow them to glide, much like a flying squirrel. But they are much bigger than a flying squirrel. And here is the cool news. Recently, it's been discovered that there are actually two other species of greater glider, when we originally thought there was only one species. So mm. they look a little bit different, and they are have been found to be genetically different as well. And yeah, uh, there. I'll put this picture in the show notes, but you can see all three of these species. You have one that looks sort of gray with cute, big old like cat mouse ears, and it's super fluffy. And you have another one that's sort of like a darker, sort of ashy color, and uh, with a little white belly as well, and and big old, big old mouse looking ears. And then a third one. That's sort of a yeah. even darker color, kind of black. It looks scruffier, and it, it's got you know again that cute little white belly. 
they're i've got to say they're all adorable that's that's <laughs> my that you know if i was cat cataloging these i'd be like that one's cute uh this one's cute uh yeah. specimen 35a also cute very cute as as different as they are they're all rated 13 out of 10 you know they're all great yeah yeah uh, to reference they're that all... dog twitter yeah it's just good really good <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be hard to basically identify these when you're just going, oh, look at the little baby. Look at the little baby. It's a zoomy baby. It's a flying baby. <laughs> like the expert scientist has the trainee scientist, and they're like, now when you approach these, you need to be very careful. Like as soon as they see it. Like, Yo, baby, has have, a big tail. We have to be quiet as we approach the subject. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just screams and, and glides away. Yeah, It's a big problem. It's probably why we only are finding out there are three species as of now. Because like, scientists have just been blowing their cover too much. They can't even right. identify them. Yeah, I remember this is another thing I learned as a zoo tour guide. We had okapis, and okapis are from uh, like Central Africa, like in, in deep rainforests there. And apparently, and those are those like zebra giraffe hybrid looking things, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, between their fantastical looks and how deep they were in the rainforest, a lot of Europeans thought they were mythical because they just couldn't. Right. Track down a report of them. I feel like this is like that. Like it was just so cute. Yes. The the boss back at science headquarters was like, no, you're making this up. Forget it. Right. <laughs> Which has happened before. Like with uh, platypus, uh, they thought that was a hoax. They thought someone yeah. just glued spare parts all together to make the platypus. <laughs> but actually, speaking of platypus, we have some exciting platypus news right after the break. Oh, how will people tolerate the break? It's so exciting. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They'll just like pee their pants. It's fine. Speaking of Australia, they've just invited devils into their island. Tasmanian devils have been reintroduced to Australia's mainland, which they haven't stepped foot in for 3,000 years. Tasmanian devils have, in recent history, lived exclusively on Australia's Tasmania island. By introducing them to the mainland, conservationists hope for two things, that the devils bring some balance to mainland Australia's ecosystem, and that their population numbers increase. Mainland Australia has suffered many blows to their native ecosystem. From cane toads to pet kitty cats, rare animals like bandicoots have been threatened. Tasmanian devils, pugnacious scavengers, may help ward off invasive species and act as ornery custodians of the ecosystem. And the increase in natural habitat for the Tasmanian devil may help their population grow, as they've suffered from a contagious facial cancer outbreak in Tasmania. Conservationists are hoping that the new colony of cancer-free devils in mainland Australia will have a better fighting chance. And they do love to fight, though they're no threat to humans. When we return, we're going to switch to the entertainment beat and talk about some breaking party animal news. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. So how have animals been partying while we've been distracted? If you miss partying during quarantine, why don't we take a peek to see some of the most festive, sexy, and remarkable animal news stories of the past few weeks? So now we are back with a platypus update. Katie and the Spaz. We're still doing it. Still still at it. Near, 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 near. Platypus in the morning. Mono e monotreme. That's a joke because they're monotremes, which is a type of mammal who lays eggs and does not have nipples to lactate. Instead, they actually ooze milk out of their bellies. And that's what a mono... They're called monotreme because they have a cloaca, and monotreme means one hole. (laughs) Mono e monotreme in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, platypus news is that platypuses are biofluorescent and glow blue under UV light. Wow, that's awesome. Yes, I actually think I had a listener ask me, I'm so sorry, I don't remember what your Twitter handle is, but a listener did ask me if this this was true, and I am happy to report that yes, yes, it is true. (laughs) It was probably a young platypus figuring out its own body, and I'm glad we can guide (laughs) them on this journey, you know? Like, we all mature. I'm noticing some changes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> it's just normal. <laughs> I also have huge braces, even though I don't have teeth, and I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out why. It's very it's very weird to have a retainer in my bill, but, you know. <laughs> so biofluorescence happens when a living organism is able to absorb and re-emit light. So typically, this is only visible to humans under UV black light, but other animals can actually see biofluorescence. Coral, scorpions, fungi, and other living creatures all biofluoresce. So this is there is a lot of biofluorescence in a variety of organisms, but this we did not know about until recently. And it really was just researchers going like, you know what? I... I wonder if platypuses glow under UV light (laughs) and trying it out because like, you know, it's not it's not like it's not like we test every animal to see if they biofluoresce. But uh, yeah, like uh, flying squirrels have a little bit of biofluorescence. So some researchers were like, you know, I wonder if mom platypuses do that. Let's let's try platypuses. Why not? They're weird. (laughs) I'm imagining the boss of Australian science. Right, they're working from home. They're juggling Mr. children Science. and cooking Thanks. and everything. And then they're getting all these reports of gliders and luminescent platypuses and everything. Like they got, they got to be pulling their hair out. All this stuff. Right. Chaos. Right. Gosh darn TikTok teens trying to prank me. <laughs> yeah. So researchers aren't sure why this happens, but sure enough, under UV light or black light, their fur glows a beautiful bright blue. And again, we're not sure why this happens. This is a very recent discovery. <laughs> Maybe it's a form of camouflage? Question mark. In this like scan or whatever, it almost looks like a blue-footed booby in a weird way. Oh, That's yeah, fun little, to me. The little paddles, the little uh, front webbed feet look. Uh, yeah. They they also seem to be fluorescing, which is interesting. But yeah, it does look a little bit like a blue-footed booby, which I must say is a bird. It's a bird, and it's got blue feet. And it's called a blue-footed booby. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I guess not everybody we knows just, that. 
Yeah, we just like to name birds naughty things like tits and boobies. <laughs> Scientists. I guess I guess like uh ornithologists are just kinda kinda horny on Maine, but you know, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of ornithologists being horny on Maine, let's talk about a bird that was discovered that is half male, half female in a spectacular oh, way. Exciting. So in Pennsylvania, a rose-breasted grosbeak, again, with the breasts, you guys, just don't take it down a notch, <laughs> birders. All right, so a rose-breasted grosbeak was discovered that is half male, half female, literally split down the middle. One side of it is male, and the other side is female. Oh. So Grosbeaks are small birds with sturdy beaks for cracking open seeds. They look very finch-like. They come in many colors, and they are often sexually dimorphic, meaning that the females and males differ in physical appearance and color and size. Yeah. In this case, the rose-breasted grosbeak that was discovered is a very rare bilateral gynandromorph, meaning that one side of its body is female and the other is male, split laterally from head to tail. So I think in this case, the right side is male and the left side is female. And this picture is amazing because like, I I don't know a ton about birds, you know more, and you are birds, but I- I am birds. (laughs) But as I understand it, like it's very common for bird, male and female of a species to look different but it's almost always symmetrical within the bird, you know? And then this picture of a bird, yes. it has a red wing and it has like a golden yellow wing. And that yes. must be because of the the split. That's That's fascinating. Yes, yes, exactly. So the red wing is the male side. Wow. Males have red coloration. And that wing is actually a little bit longer than the yellow wing, which is the female side, which is a little shorter, which is also like females have slightly shorter wings, which I hope this poor bird isn't like flying around in circles because of that. But uh, (laughs) so this is extremely rare. This is like winning the bird lottery, like literally one in a million chance to find one of these incredible birds. So although this is not the only bird that's ever been discovered, there have been other birds. This has also been recorded in butterflies, crustaceans, spiders, and other insects, snakes, uh, and particularly I think zebra finches for whatever reason uh, have it happened to them a lot. Uh, It's been found in chickens as well, cardinals. Um, So this is... Caused by an unusual event uh, during a bird's embryonic development when the cells are splitting during a fertilized egg's development where one of the dividing cells does not split the sex chromosomes as it normally would. Yeah, so it literally develops where one side of the bird is physically female and then the other side is physically male. And this can be both external characteristics like the coloration and sizes we see in this bird can also be internal anatomy so sex organs like you may have ovaries only on one side uh so it is absolutely absolutely fascinating one thing is that like i i feel like there are a lot of prudes that like to reference nature when it comes to like human gender expression and they're like oh well that's unnatural it's like dude you don't know anything about nature Nature is incredibly fun and free. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you're you can't, you know, identify as another another gender. That's unnatural. It's like, no, nature nature wrote the book on this stuff, you guys. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it always frustrates me when people are like, Well, you know, biology says you can't be, you know, different as a human. It's like, no, it actually does it's actually your biology is incredibly creative and fun and so you know you don't yeah (laughs) it's it's frustrating also can i just say this bird absolutely beautiful like it's just i mean there's something about like i guess i guess because we're so used to symmetry in animals seeing an animal where it's like one side is red and the other side it's yellow it's just uh, incredible looking yeah i i 
Now I just want to see all the animals like this. Like you said, a cardinal was found like this. I don't know if it was the past yeah. and they didn't take or a it's picture, like one, but yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, one side is red, reddish coloration, so the other side is sort of a lighter, lighter coloration, like a female. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really, really interesting. Also important to note that uh, this is different from uh, hermaphroditism, where so in that case, it's not like bilateral asymmetry. So like you can have a mixture of male and female second sexual characteristics and and organs and that is actually a lot more common than this this is just very uncommon because it's the the particular arrangement of having like literally like one half one side of the animal is male the other half is female is just very very rare very interesting so yeah there there but there are a lot of different types of situations where an animal will have both male and female parts and sometimes it's not even like unusual like there are species of animals that are always hermaphroditic all always have both male and female parts this just happens to be a species where this is not typical and it's also especially interesting because it's again that that whole like you know one one half half and half split yeah. right down the middle yeah also also good job humans uh, noticing this tracking it down i feel like yes. i don't see I'm, I'm not a birder but i never see birds that clearly in the wild or walking around the neighborhood so good job well done. I mean, there's probably, yes, yes, it is. That is an incredible find. Also, it's probably, there are probably more of these bilateral gynandromorphs than we know because some birds are not quite as obvious with the uh, sexual dimorphism. So spotting, a like, the males and females look more similar. So being able to find ones that that have this like you just wouldn't know looking at them uh it would be very subtle so yeah, yeah it's really interesting and i just want to end the show with a little bit of bat news <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like this we've actually talked about this bat before on the show i think actually almost exactly a year ago and it's our anniversary of talking about it it's our anniversary. there we everybody. go yes thank you but now I think it's relevant to bring this up again. First of all, they're in the news. And also, it's very applicable to us humans. So these are wrinkle-faced bats. They are found in Central America. They have a very, very wrinkle, wrinkly face. It just, uh, I don't know, like, how would you describe this face? Like a walnut? Looks it's <laughs> a little bit like a walnut. <laughs> yeah, it's like if a walnut was made of knuckles. Uh, yeah, and then that's a good description. I like that. And then the overall shape of like that that Sumerian dog monster from Ghostbusters, like the two of yeah. them form like the activate the thing. Yeah, I think it's cute. And it's cute. Yes, I, I should <laughs> clarify <laughs> that I mean that that is cute. <laughs> it's like you put if you put like Stitch in the washing machine, but then you didn't like fold him, so then he got all wrinkly. I saw that movie for the first time last month. I finally caught up what? with it. It's very fun. Oh my very god! Special. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. I I love Lilo and Stitch. It's amazing. Yeah, One of yeah. the best movies. So they have mouth pouches to store food in. They eat fruit. Uh, they have one of the strongest bites per their size compared to other bats uh, because this allows them to eat tough fruit, get through the tough skin of fruit, and most most importantly, they have a little chin flap that they can use as a mask. That they literally pull Whoa. up over their face as a mask, as we should all be doing right now. <laughs> Hero bats. So, God, I just imagined a Republican wrinkle-faced bat that's like, sure, I have a chin-based flap that's a mask, but I'm not going to wear it. Like, just the laziest, worst bat. Anyway. Well, and well, bad news for that bat because the lady bats love a mask. Female oh. bats. Find these masks sexy, which, look, speaking as a female human, I say all masks are sexy. And wearing yeah, them, yeah. like, instantly improves your standing in my mind. I'm like, that person cares about other people. That's respectable. Right. Caring <laughs> is sexy. So. It is, it is literally signaling your virtue. Like, you're a virtuous yes. person who bothers <laughs> to care about people. And that's good. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So these masks are sexy for for female birds, and the males will use them to attract mates. Uh, Bernal Rodriguez Herrera, who is a bat biologist at the University of Costa Rica, calls the male masked seducers, which I love. 
I would like to adopt that for humans. Like, like you wear a mask, you're a masked seducer. <laughs> uh, they will literally flex their little face masks like they're flexing their muscles. They wow. will lift it over their face and like pull it with their little arms like, eh? And you like what you see? And that drives the lady bats wild with desire. Uh, and one of the theories is that the mask may help them modulate their mating calls because they seem to always chirp while the mask is up. So maybe it gives the mating calls some interesting kind of resonance. Uh, oh. Another theory is that because the skin flap is white, it might help the females locate the males visually. And so you're sort of almost flashing a beacon at the females like, hey, look at me. I'm an eligible bachelor who cares about public health and safety. <laughs> also, the little masks are furry, so they kind of look like Santa beards, which I think is cute. Oh, man. And we're in the era of Kurt Russell being sexy Santa. So that's, that's <laughs> understood now. People get it. Oh, wait. I just had an idea. Why don't people put fake beards over their masks so oh. you can look like Santa? Yeah, Santa yeah, masks. Yeah, yeah. What? Why haven't we done this? I do. I remember, I think it was around August, I was just walking and I had a realization that the mask would feel warm in the winter. Like I got excited mm, for now. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. it's going to be good. So yeah, I'm add always that on. Getting, like, Make it seasonal. Yeah, I'm always getting runny noses and stuff and like i've been noticing like hey you know what my hot breath is heating up my nose it feels good <laughs> yeah <laughs> so again i think we can learn a lot from these bats uh that they have they love masks the ladies love them and yeah uh i mean for humans obviously everyone everyone of good caliber loves a mask and i just think that it is great uh, to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, keep keep yeah. it up, folks. It's spiking. Yeah. I'm sure that, I feel like all of our listeners are, are probably on board with the whole mask wearing thing, but I want, <laughs> I want to yeah. give you hope. I want to give you some cheer that, like, the bats are on board with us, and they'll think you're cute if you wear a mask. Bats are going to yeah. think you're cute. And that, is, and, and that is, I'm, I'm sure you're right, and every listener to this show is, like, on top of masks. Like, I, right. prior to the election, I realized as I was taping a Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, I was like, I would tell you guys to vote, but you're great. Like, if you can yeah. vote, I'm sure you did. Good job. Like, we, this space, we don't need to do it. You're, you're on it. <laughs> I just think it'll help with the monotony of wearing a mask every day. Know that bats will think you're cute for wearing the mask. And, yeah. uh, you know, you might get noticed by bats and pie, so... That's good. Yeah, bat society is really interesting to me. I love it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they have romance novels with a, a, a heavily masked bat on the cover. Like, wow, look at that mask. <laughs> You'd never see that in real life. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, yeah, so if you, want, if you want to attract a bat, wear a mask. Well, specifically the wrinkle-faced bats. But yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to attract a wrinkle-faced bat? They are, who boy, you know? Again, a handsome knuckle walnut that you want a to get to know. A handsome walnut. I want to get to know this handsome walnut. <laughs> well, Alex, I think that's going to do it for today. I think we've covered all of the news stories that people may have missed during, you know, the recent weeks. I guess other stuff was going on that was important. But yeah, uh, now we're caught up on the animal news. I'm... I. There's so much going on, and I, I'm sure, like you said, it all happened when I was distracted with other other things, and it's so exciting yeah. to know about. I get like, yeah. the bear and wolf stuff alone. Remember that, folks? Holy cow. Blade Runner bears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about animal oh, news. Buddy, same. So where, where can the people and the bats and the robot wolves find you? Because they yeah. will. I'm on I'm on morning drive time with uh, Katie Golden on Katie and the Spaz every week. Uh, w <laughs> K that no, is uh, end of bit. Uh, I host a show called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. It's a podcast I'm really proud of. It's about the history and science and lore that make ordinary things secretly incredibly fascinating. And it's had wonderful guests like Katie Golden, uh, who's on the yeah. second ever episode and did a lot to help like get it going at all. So I really appreciate that a whole lot. We talked about moo cows. Yeah, and the episode's about <laughs> cattle. So, you know, animals for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F E A T, not F E E T. That was something very different. You can find me at Katie Golden online. That's K A T I E G O L D I N. I usually post Katie thoughts. Look, a lot of my tweets are going to be political because, you know, politics is important. But, you know, here on the podcast, it's animals time. As always, I'm also at Pro Bird Rights. Uh, where I am definitely just a normal human talking about birds. It's fine. It's pretend birds, not real birds. I'm certainly not a bunch of real birds in a human suit. That would be weird, and I'm not that. (laughs) Uh, I'm also really impressed how much seed you can eat without the mic picking it up, you know? Like, usually during a taping. (laughs) Dogs is happening. I'm also really impressed how much bird seed you can eat during a taping without the mic picking it up. Usually snacking, I mean, it really gets in there, but you do a good job. It keeps me regular. It's good fiber. Yeah. I don't know why there's a big handwritten note that says human seed over the label of whatever that really is. That's interesting. Well, it's good to label products as they accurately are. I anyways. See. Okay. Anyways, if you have any questions for the podcast you can email me i mean obviously you can message me on any of those social media platforms but if you prefer the old email you can do creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com and also send me pictures of your pets i love that i like that or birds um at you know as normal humans like to see birds Thanks so much to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. (laughs) Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.